Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, and welcome, people, to episode uh, 184 of Dude and a Monkey. Uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Mark Foster, and as ever, I am joined by... Ian Loring, hello. Uh, hello, everybody. Um, this week, uh, we are back with a, with a standard, kind of more normal um, format of our show. There's no double review, uh, we're not on tour anymore, or anything like that, so uh, we're going to bring you a review of the latest Tom Ford film, Nocturnal Animals. Uh, we're also going to bring you some trailers, some what we've been watching, uh, probably a few tangents, and we've got some Twitter questions and the usual bits and abats. Uh, I am recording for the first time in my podcast office. Um, oh, nice! Yeah, it's the first time I've, 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 I've recorded in here. It's it's really quite nice. <laughs> I didn't have to bring a chair up from the dining room to record oh, in my bedroom. Uh, and I'm surrounded by a Joker poster from The Killing Joke, a Rocky poster, and I've got uh, a, a gentle, sleepless, two evil eyes, Stendhal syndrome, and a Martin poster behind me. It's pretty solid. Yeah, it's not bad. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, so, Ian, um, has, has anything happened? I thought we should talk quickly, I suppose, about the uh, the Carpenter gig, because um, we didn't do any recording on it because I. Mm. So dash back to York and uh, bits like that. Yeah, yeah, you, uh, you. I, I woke up and you were gone. Uh, yes, you did. I woke up and I was gone. All like was, so many men have done to me. Yes, all that was left was a little bit of soreness and regret. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, I mean it was a, it was a good day. I enjoyed the day. Is what I'm gonna say on it. Yeah, I. Uh, you see, that's the thing. I'm fairly tall. Yes. So I had a better time of it. Yeah, the, th- the thing is, with the actual gig itself, it was a disappointment, and I know um, that they had problems with the PJ Harvey gig on Thursday, uh, a similar thing. Um, so, it is a problem with the venue, and the fact that the venue had been so quick to kind of, well, they're so slow, um, to go, no, well, well, we're allowed that many people. It seems to be their response is, our safety certificate says we're allowed to sell that many tickets, which is a little bit like, for a club night, not for a gig. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, but the thing is, I, I find it very hard to kind of dis- decide to switch between the two because I had a great day. I got to spend the day with, with my two best mates uh, drinking and chatting. So, it was, I had a good time. <laughs> yeah, straight up. Yeah, um, no, 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 I mean, I, like I say, I, I had a decent time with the gig even. I felt, I felt really bad for Noel because he was fucking crushed. Um, like not literally like he was just really really depressed after it yeah um, I, I felt bad because I, I think I, yeah because I had the similar I, I had basically the same experience as Noel because I, I was with him but I think it, it it kind of bothered me a little bit less I don't know why but it just did yeah uh, so yeah so, yeah no 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 absolutely no it just it blessed me just he didn't have a good time with that night no 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 I think he had a good time with the rest of it <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Absolutely. We had some 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 fun some fun drinking. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, and uh, is there is there anything else that's happened in the wonderful and, and mystical world of film uh, that we need um, to to chat about? Um. Uh, Junkie, probably, but not what I can think of. Junkie XL has also left the uh, Deadpool um, sequel. Yeah. Well. In, in, a, in a show of solidarity. Um, and uh, there are rumblings coming out as to as to why uh, the there was a, a, a disparity between Reynolds and uh, Tim Miller as well. They're, they're, they're starting to come out a little bit, apparently. Yeah, um, 
Well, it was about the scale of the thing, wasn't it? Like... Yeah, um, Reynolds wanted to do it a little bit more uh, and take advantage of the R rating and focus in on more of the, the piss-taking and things like that. And Miller wanted to kind of use the budget to go for a more traditional superhero movie kind of thing. Uh, seems to be the... Um, it's a rumour. But it's a rumour. Could be, could be anything. Um but now uh, Tim Miller apparently is going to do a live action Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Yes. <laughs> Which, do you know what, is one of those where I go, I don't see how that can work, but I'm going to enjoy finding out whether it can or can't. <laughs> it's a live action CG hybrid, is it not? It is indeed, yes, I think so, yeah. Which is, yeah. Which is interesting, I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I still can't. I cannot visualise it. But then again, I can't. Tim Miller might be able to, and it might be, do you know what, that's fucking brilliant. Mm. So, yes, you know, all power to the guy, and I, I, I genuinely hope it's a fucking huge success, because that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, Ian, uh, trailers, um, there's been a few out this week, actually, hasn't there? Yeah, yeah, I um, I was slightly slow on the uptake, to be honest, but did they say what we're covering today? Yeah, Nocturnal Animals. Did you say that? Yes. Oh, fair enough. All right, my apologies. Um, so the new trailer for La La Land, uh, which looks as good as it has been looking, frankly. Uh, I am looking forward to that. Um, uh, T2 train spotting, which appears to be what they're actually calling it. Um, yeah. T2 colon train spotting, which is fucking weird. Um, which looks... The trailer makes it look like nostalgia porn. We'll see. I hope it's more than that. I have a feeling it's not going to be. Yeah. I just, I've, I've just got a feeling. But the thing is, the weird thing is about that trailer is, I watched it and I had the same. Sorry, actually, to you, of this is just nostalgia porn. But I did finish and I did go. Oh, but you know what? I'm still kind of excited to get to, to see what they're going to do with it, to see where these people have been and where they've gone, what they've done, and how they're going to interact coming back together. And I'm interested in, in all of that. The problem is that's all the bits that I'm interested in, and it's kind of like, well, what if it's just none of those things? What if all of them, all of the, the stories that they're going to fill in for the past 20 odd years, are just crap? And then the film's just crap. It's just going to feel more like a crushing disappointment. And the weird thing is, I, I, I don't hold Trainspotting up as this massive pantheon fucking film. I enjoy Trainspotting. I think it's a great film. Mm. Um, but it, it's not like it's not something that I revisit every few years. I, I own it on Blu-ray. Um, but I don't think I've ever actually watched it on Blu-ray. And I own it on, I own it on DVD. And I don't think I ever watched it on DVD, which means the last time I watched it was probably VHS. So you're talking at least a decade ago. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I... The thing is, I, I think I was a generation too young for it. Because, um, what, it came out in 95? 95, 96, I think, yeah. Yeah, okay, so I would have been like 11 or 12. I remember when it first played on Channel 4 and, like, taking 96, it. yeah. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I remember when we first played on Channel 4 and, like, taping it and it being quite the talking point at school. Um, but, Christ, I must have... Thinking about it, I think that was... I might have been around about when I was... 
yeah, like year 10, year 11, maybe. So, yeah, that makes sense. So, I am just, like, the, the kind of, like, the rave culture kind of thing. It's slightly passed me by. Like, I'm my, like, teen, my, my late teen years were more, like, the early noughties, like, guitar bands where everything, every single band started with the. Um, <laughs> which was a thing for a while. So, it's not quite my generation, but I do appreciate the film, obviously. Um, it just... I really, I really, really hope... I, I, I mean, I, I compared it on WhatsApp, didn't I, to Cold Feet, and like the <laughs> fact that that had a revival, yeah. which apparently is actually not bad. Um, and it's just like, am I interested in seeing these characters, characters again? Yes. If they just... I, I don't know if it's just about them like relapsing into their old ways and then realizing in the third act that maybe there's more to life or something like that. Maybe slightly like the original Train Spotting, then it, it's going to be more of an issue. I, I hope the I hope the material is worthy of them all getting back together to revisit this. The, the trailer does not make it clear. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. I think. I mean, I remember I I, I first watched. Transporting came out um, on video, on VHS to rent, in the uh, school holidays um, of 96, in the summer holidays. And I think I remember renting it then uh, and doing myself a copy of it. And I watched it like three or four times in the first week, and so I watched it quite a lot over those years. So I don't really need to remember it that much. I think I was like 14 uh, at the time. Mm. So, so yeah, it was, it, was like a, it, it was like a big sort of a big sort of cultural touching point um, at that time, you know, it was, you know, this was a film about sort of, I, I had everything, I had sex and drugs and a great soundtrack, and I had the soundtrack, I, I, you know what, I, I genuinely even did have the fucking poster as well. Um, so, yeah, but it, it's not one, it's not one that, like I say, that I, I would say that I, I, I'd go back to that often or that, you know, I, I'll watch it again probably just before this, before this comes out. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to my rewatch of it. I'd probably rewatch it sooner, but I think, do you know what? I might, I might just rewatch it like the week before, so everything's fresh there. Yeah, fair enough. Same. Yeah, I'd go with that. Um, what else? Uh, do 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 Office Christmas Party, which I don't know, maybe, um, maybe. I don't know. It, um, it looks a little bit like one of those films where if you catch it in the right Christmas mood, it'll be really, really good. Mm, and if you catch mm. it in the wrong Christmas mood or the wrong just general mood, you'll be, this is just bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, speaking of probably this is just bullshit, Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage, um, which looks nutty. It, yeah, it, it, looks, it looks a little bit like... Like, like, essentially, what's happened there is... Because <laughs> Vin Diesel has got this film made, hasn't he? Let's be honest. And he's gone in and they've gone, so I've got all these really good ideas, I've got all these really good ideas. And he's, like, throwing them all at the screen. And it essentially is just all of the bits where the people who are making the Fast and Furious movies have gone, that sounds a little bit stupid, that, to be honest. No. <laughs> and he's, and, and he's gone, all right, 
and he's just literally just like copied and just just flicked it across to the to the triple X looking folder and gone. Well, that'll do for triple X. Uh, yeah, um, skis that work on water that are motorbikes. No, that's terrible. Uh, uh, yeah, it is, isn't it? Triple X. <laughs> Neymar popping up. Neymar's got a character poster. <laughs> and I, I, I shit you not, yeah, yeah, Neymar has a character poster. Good on him. Do you know what? That says everything you need to know about this film. Neymar has a character poster. Underlined, I'll still watch it. And do you know what? It'll finish and I'll go, that was bullshit, but I kind of enjoyed it. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. It's coming out in January. It looks like it could be quite good, goofy fun in January. So, you know, who knows? Um, okay, a couple of us from me. Wonder Woman, not as good as the first trailer. Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I'll watch it. I'm not entirely sure if I'm that hyped for it. I am, but that trailer made me go, hmm, can I just watch the, the, the can, can, can I raise that and just watch the first trailer again? Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, exactly. And the Lego Batman movie, which, uh, yeah, uh, looks fun. I'm a little worried if they're going to be able to sustain that for 90 minutes, but we'll see. Yeah, but uh, I was worried about the same for the, the first Lego movie, so... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, in the end of the day, if it's ba- it is basically going to be for kids, and if kids like it, awesome. There you go. I'll probably take naughty to it. Yeah, it's quite I, like superheroes and stuff, and it, it looks like it might be quite fun for us. So you know, there you go. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm the same. I'm, I'm kind of. I, I don't think it's going to be that great, but I'm I'm perfectly willing to sit and let it kind of. Let entertain me for eighty-six minutes or whatever it'll be. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So actually, that 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 is it for me from my end. So I take it you have some more. Uh, I think maybe one or two. Um, Wilson, um, the Woody Harrelson and Laura Dern movie. Yeah, didn't get to this. How is it? Uh, looks looks like it could be quite amusing. Uh, basically, um, the graphic novels. Um, and. It, it, it's it's essentially just Woody Harrelson. Just uh, his character decides that he, he's not going to say the things that he doesn't want to say. So his character is just a dick. Um, but looks looks funny. But looks a little bit like it could wear thin quite quickly. Um, and the other one is Gifted. Uh, the Chris Evans uh, playing, you know, doing one of the one of the smaller roles he does. Um, that he kind of crops up in and every so often. Uh, plays the uncle um, to a gifted child um, who he now is the carer of because his sister died. Uh, a child is a, a, a prodigy um, and he wants to keep her away from that um, that environment where she's you know, pushed ahead and said, you know, look how amazing you are, look how fantastic you are, and you know, you need to be nurtured in this type of environment. And he wants her to just have a normal life. And her grandmother then comes back on the scene and he's trying to get custody of her so she could throw her in for all of these um like special gifted schools, etc. So mm. um if it was anybody else but Evans, I'd be going, nah. but he's a good screen presence. 
and he kind of he does make me go, do you know what? That looks a little bit too saccharine, a little bit too trying to elicit certain emotions for me. But it's got Chris Evans in it, and I'll happily spend two hours watching that type of movie with Chris Evans. Mm. Okay. So that uh, and Life, uh, the sci-fi Ryan Reynolds, Jake Gyllenhaal, and a whole bunch of other people uh, movie. Like what? <laughs> that's that's a new one on me. What's that? Uh, it is. It's, a, it's like a sci-fi movie. Um, comes out next year. Uh, bear me two seconds. Let me just get the who is in it. Um, from Daniel Espinosa. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Rebecca Ferguson, Ryan Reynolds uh, starring it. Uh, the six crew, six member crew of the International Space Station is tasked with studying a sample from Mars that may be the first proof of extraterrestrial life, but proves to be more intelligent than expected. Okay. Mm. Um, looks good. Looks really good, actually. Um, to be honest, I, I think it comes out May, I think it is. Um, so... Yeah, and it's you know it's it's Jill Hall who's, who's knocking out the park at the moment. Interestingly enough, as well, um, it is a triple billing, uh, and it's Rebecca Ferguson's build second in it, which is quite nice. Hmm. So yeah, so uh, yeah, but look, looks good. What I check, check, check the trailer yeah. out. It's, it looks looks very interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm not even. I'm not even. First time I've ever even heard of it, as far as I'm aware. So okay, that sounds interesting. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's that's it for me for for trailers. I think, yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah, that is it. Okay, fair enough. Cool. Um, all right. So, oh no, you're bloody fucking. I am. Funny. I am indeed. Still Sorry. Sorry. Yes. No, 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 um, stars it's a heck of a cast this uh, Amy Adams Jake Gyllenhaal Michael Shannon Aaron Taylor-Johnson Isla Fisher Army Hammer Laura Linney Andrea Riceborough Michael Sheen uh, Jenna Malone crops up in there as well uh, if I remember correctly um, and is the story of uh, Agrion uh, Amy Adams' character um, and it, well it, it's kind of right we're all spoilers all the time because from for me to explain the way the plot works is a spoiler. Would you agree on that? Kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh Amy Adams, um her character is living the to coin the phrase that they use in the film, the bourgeois lifestyle. She comes from a very wealthy family and she's living a very wealthy lifestyle that she clearly uh, is very well aware is largely nonsense. Um she receives a book manuscript from her ex-husband um, who is played by Jake Gyllenhaal, we assume um, and as she is reading the book we're seeing what's in the book as she's reading it uh, and that's where Jake Gyllenhaal comes into it and where Michael Shannon Aaron Taylor-Johnson and Alephician people come into it and they work through there and so she's going through this kind of crisis of self whilst also reading this book which is dedicated to her and is very strongly linked kind of emotionally to the fragility of their relationship um, but we'll get into it. It'll start to make more sense, I think, as we as we get into the actual review of it. So, um, Ian, um, not so anonymous. You went to watch it 
quite late on uh, last night, I believe. Last yeah. night, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is the opposite of me. I went to watch it ridiculously early this morning, so it's quite cool they've got a juxtapositions for that. Well, what did you think of, of Nocturnal Animals? Well, me and the two uh, drunk guys behind me, um, oh, who, who uh, fell asleep, oh, uh, they, they basically came in half an hour into the film, took their seats, and I heard snoring every now and then. So I was like, cool, whatever. I'm fine with that, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you don't want to be watching Nocturnal Animals drunk. Um, no. So, I mean, a, a question for you first. Opening titles, most erotic thing you've seen this year? I, I, I was in the screening on my own at 9.30 this morning, and uh, I'll admit, it was hard not to go to one of my special places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, I, th- I thought it was fantastic. Uh, really, really, really strong. Um, I was kind of surprised by how horror-inflected it was. Um, I mean, with a single man, Tom Ford dealt with a guy who's basically planning on killing himself at the end of the day, and there's a, a slight sense of dread there, but here he's kind of cranking it up there are scenes that are are very uncomfortable um one of the best jump scares i've seen in context ever frankly because jesus fucking christ i wasn't expecting that yeah it comes out of nowhere yeah like but it also i mean all spoilers all the time the moment with the baby monitor but it actually makes sense in context as well mm. and like you know she's looking at a baby and mm. then you know what she did to Jake Gyllenhaal's baby and then bang there's the guy who kills Jake Gyllenhaal's daughter in the story yeah you, you know it's uh, I, I, you know there's, there's 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 meaning there there's a lot of meat to chew on here but it ha- it balances that darkness with a weirdly funny and I think intentionally so performance from Michael Shannon, uh, which then gets a bit heartbreaking towards the end. Um, Amy Adams is fantastic. She doesn't have a lot to do, but Christ, when it cut to her and Jake Gyllenhaal when they like were younger and they meet them, they meet each other in that like snowy street. Yeah. And it's like, fucking hell, you have, you, life has made you so miserable in comparison. Yeah. You know, you're, you're watching this like forlorn, just not happy Amy Adams and it cuts and it's like bright, happy, smiley, effervescent Amy Adams and, and bright, smiley Jake Gyllenhaal as well. But it works so well. She does both of those very, very well. Um, I, 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 I'll let you speak, but... Uh, top part of the end of the year, I reckon. Um, I like could be could be higher than that. I was really quite taken with it. Yeah, um, yeah, I was I was exactly the same. I think it's a staggering film. It's it's. Uh, I mean, the opening titles. I won't say what the opening titles are. I, I I will leave that as an unspoiled thing. I don't think we need to. But from straight away there, you're watching it going. Knowing from where Tom Ford comes from, um, you know his, um, you know he he works, he's made his name and made his money in the fashion industry, and if you ever heard him talk about the fashion industry, he's incredibly damning about it. He essentially says that it is bullshit swapping bullshit. Um, 
which and he's he's not afraid to to be incredibly controversial in the way that he approaches it um and he's uncompromising and straight away the opening of this film is quite uncompromising it, it, it's him showing you the, the ridiculousness of what he's about to show you ridiculous of, of this person's you know, the, the main character's existence the fact that she seems to be well aware that it's all bollocks um and then the the cleverness of of mixing the the what you're seeing in the story of the what she's reading and you're seeing it the cleverness of that uh, is 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 very good um, and it's so the, those bits and the, the the actual real life bits they're they're so they're, they're totally different but feel part of the same film um, and it very much you're not the, the 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 key thing is I think with it is you're not actually seeing what is written in that book you're seeing her imagination of what is that book so the fact is that she says to one of the characters later on in the film that that what is written is is nasty um and that it used to be and it's horrible and anything like that but it the actual script might not be that bad it's just she's nastier and she's become more horrible and she's become more detached and there's that to take into account and is are these things is it just a book and he's just sent it to her? Or is it a, a criticism of her? Where is that all that coming from? Is it an attack or is it a an olive branch? You, you don't know. It, it, it's really quite... It, it leaves you in limbo uh, that with, with, frankly, I think a, a fantastic ending um, yeah. to the movie. A really, really fantastic ending. And like you said, what I think is, um, is great is... I would agree with you. I think this this is a horror film um, in, in a lot of ways, like a psychological horror film. In the same way, as something like uh, Twin Peaks uh, Fire Walk with Me. Um, I think if you had to pigeonhole that into a film, it's a horror film. And I would say you could you could definitely argue with this as been a psychological horror film. The performances are fantastic, and, and even people like Aaron Taylor Johnson, who let's be honest, can be quite poor. <laughs> sometimes yeah, he's yeah. very good in this and his role is is perfect and there's a a certain holy griminess to this film whilst also having a wonderful um sort of affectation polish to it it really is quite the juxtapositions in terms of how of how we've got one world against the other um and and really great to see michael shannon playing a a, a good guy in it in a roundabout way in this movie he would i would kind of count him as being one of the good guys oh yeah no no for sure for sure um, um sorry go on yeah go on go on, go on. yeah no 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 i mean like i don't know michael Simon's an interesting one because i think he's a good guy more often than he's not but it kind of feel, i think maybe it's his face that makes you feel like he's not a good guy which yeah. might be a bit mean but yeah, I think I think I think yeah, I think you're right. It's a lot of the time his more um, celebrated roles can often be him being well, not not celebrated, more known roles uh, are often him being the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sure, sure. I, but yeah, no, I mean he's, he's he's very good. I think what you were saying there about like it being in Amy Adams's mind's eye as well, I think is interesting. I mean, like crucially, the fact that she doesn't cast herself as the wife. 
Yeah. And, and the daughter is not the daughter. They're, fa- they're facsimiles. They're, they're close. Yeah, but they're not quite there. No, because, I mean, like, the you see the daughter basically in that one shot, like, her actual daughter, and she's older than the daughter in the story, yeah. isn't she? Yeah. So, I, you know, even, even that kind of stuff's interesting. And the, 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 Yeah, it, it's really strange because the weird thing is, this film is so directed. There is so much going on. Because there's a weird thing when we see the uh, the daughter and um, the, the the mother um, in the pose they've been laid out. You see it from a, a, a wide angle shot, and um, you see the the daughter laid down, and you see uh, but is the best way I can use to describe it. Um, and you've got she's just laid on her side, red hair coming down. Uh, completely naked, and then when, we, when she calls her daughter, it's the same image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you then notice that the next from there, the next image is her sat at her desk at work, isn't it? Um, and then her assistant comes in and talks to her. Did you notice the painting behind her um, is of a red-haired woman laid on the side with a butt facing outwards? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No. Fair enough. I didn't register that, but you're right, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's just there. There is that much care taken to every single, every single frame, and that I think is the the designer element of of, of what Ford brings into it. Is there's no, there is not a single bit that Ford has looked at and gone, that'll do. If he's looked at something and thought, that needs to have, that needs to, that needs to have more cobweb there. It needs to have more cobweb there. There would have been more cobweb put there and stuff like that. It, 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 it is that finely tuned. And when you've got something that's that finely tuned, it tends to work better. Agreed, yeah. But I, 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 I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting. I think this is an evolution from a single man. I, I, I think a single man is fucking fantastic. I watched that this week and I personally think that's a five-star film. But if anything, this is... Oh, I've lost you for a second there, Ian. Sorry, yeah, I lost you for about for, okay. for a couple of seconds there. Okay, just the sheer atmosphere that this film creates mm. is pretty mind blowing. Yeah, frankly, like it, it's just it is stunning and and I, I, it just being in that world. Like you say, it does feel horrible in the story world, but then in the world that Amy Adams is in as well, it doesn't really feel all that much better because everything is so cold and detached. Um, I, I, I don't know. Every, there's, there's, I mean, there's an artificiality to everybody in her world as well. I mean, like Michael uh, Michael Sheen's ridiculous fucking suit and um, uh, and uh, what Andrea Riseborough is wearing in that scene as well. You know, and, and like that. And that that whole kind of thing, I I think that is probably I think that is Tom Ford commenting. Oh, it, um, it's, it's it's absolutely Tom Ford. I think commenting on the circles that he uh, the, the that he finds himself finds in. himself in. Absolutely, yeah. yeah it, it's it's him. He's almost him going. I, I think as much pointing a finger at himself as he is sure. at, at the people, that. but also as well, I think it's a little bit him him saying, saying look, I'll. It's the unspoken secret that everybody in these circles knows. 
everybody knows it's ridiculous. Everybody knows that it's for sure and it's it's pomp and ceremony and it's it, it, it is everybody everybody pretty much everybody is already in on it. It's just no and you can admit it to 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 certain people. You can admit it to one person at a time. But you can't all sit there and say it's ridiculous. And it is Laura Linney, as the, as the mother uh, in the one scene she's got with her, where she essentially says, you know, all of this that you claim to hate, you'll come back to. Yeah. Because you, cause, because you can't survive without the comfort of this. And it, it, her character does get to know that, yeah, she can't survive without the character of that because it, it's, it's where she feels most comfortable. It isn't where she feels happiest. Clearly, but it's where she feels most secure mm-hmm. and most where she feels like she fits easiest because she doesn't have to try. She just has to exist and everything will be fine. Whereas the idea of what she wants to do with Jake Gyllenhaal is she has to try, she has to put her faith into somebody else that they're going to be okay. I mean, even take the fact that she's quite well aware that, um, that her husband's cheating on her. But you, you never know whether or not that that's something that is a problem for her, or it's just it's just it's just something that they have in their relationship. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. So it's it, yeah. it's all quite quite strange in that, and it's it's building up and saying, look, but it never points at you and says, look, you know, she might have everything, she might be rich and beautiful and successful, but you know. It, it's still a horrible life for it. It, it essentially points and says look she should have everything but she, she just, she's just a person who seems to be unable to be happy but like you said there's, there's some incredibly tense things in it the, the roadside scene which goes on for a long time mm. it's a long scene where you, you, you never quite know at first you think right well Aaron Taylor Johnson and his, his, his crew they're, they're uh, Cargill Glusman and I don't know who the guy is. Um, you're looking at them going, right? Are they are they just fucking about? Are they gonna drive off? And they're just they're just playing with them, or are they actually dangerous? And it, you never quite know what's going on really until it just kind of happens, and then you don't know if they're still fucking about. And then when 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 you find out when you, when it, it cuts them they're, and they're back tra- tracking the what is it and then it just you just see the image of the bodies I don't know about you but I was like fucking hell oh yeah I wasn't expecting that no neither was I that's 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 the weird thing I don't know what I was expecting but I wasn't expecting them to be straight up dead no I, I was I, I thought that the, the, the his interactions with um the rest of the, the, the Michael Shannon bits were going to be them trying to find them. Yeah. I didn't just yeah, think that, yeah. that they just snap. Then the next fucking day they find them dead, and it just it happens so quickly. And I, I look, I was in the cinema on my own, so I could get away with it. But I just was sat and I sat up and went, "Fuck, whoa." Yeah. I, I was sort of looking round <laughs> for some reason, even that I knew I was on my own, just to look to see if like, what, what the hell. That's cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It just it it like that that image just kind of smacks you in the face, doesn't it? Mm. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's staggering, staggering. It is, and it's 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 also a beautiful shot, which is it shouldn't be, but it is. 
And that, that's what tends to happen with this film. It, it's there's such fantastic shots of it, within it that, that shouldn't be, and it's the horror of that. And I think that's that's where the kind of the the, the, the kind of lynchy bits come into it of, of showing you the dark side of, of these little communities uh, works really well. And then, like you say, you've got the Michael Shannon who who seems like he could be a character out of a different story. <laughs> But it yeah. still works. But it works in this story. The fact that that his his arc is he kind of feels bad for Jake Hall's character. He kind of you know when he's first in the the car with him, he's saying, "Why don't you do this? Why don't you do this?" And then he he clocks from him that the reason why he didn't do that is because he's a different person to me. These are the things I do, but this guy doesn't think like that. And it's not a criticism to to say that. It's it's he reacted the way that he thought he should react, not to save himself or anything like that. And it's then he he takes on the right. I want justice for this guy, and then it, it gets to the point of where he's look. I'm dying anyway, so let's fuck these guys up. Is essentially where he gets to, which is brilliant. Yeah, yeah I mean that that's the thing. I thought it was gonna. Um... I, 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 I thought he was just going to like chew him out and he was going to be slightly antagonistic for the rest of the film or something like that, you know, and I think in a lot of films that's where it would have gone. But, you know, they don't hear. It, it is, like, he does feel bad for him. He does want to see him right. And, and I, it's, a, it's a nice little relationship what they, that, that those two have with each other, I must say. Yeah. Yeah, it really is, yeah. Um... Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's it's absolutely fantastic. Have you anything else you want to add for it? Or? No, I think I'm good actually. Uh, yeah, big fan. Yeah, absolutely big fan. Uh, it will be it, uh, well as it stands. It will be top five of the year for me also as well. I think it's it, it's an incredible film. But um, Beth didn't come with me to see it, actually. She said uh, the day when it comes out on on iTunes release, will, will you watch it again with me? And I was like, well, we can go tomorrow if you want. And I. I, I, well, I, I I generally thought, you know, I, I could watch it again at the cinema quite easily because I was that taken back by it. It looks, it looks magnificent. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So yeah, um, I put out it out to our audience, um, and we got a definitely not shit seventy three percent, touching cloth eighteen percent, and shit nine percent. Which well, that's a it's a surprise, but but fair enough. You know, not everyone gets along with with everything. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, Ian, um, what have you been watching uh, this week? Fucking you know, hell! Well, you know, we didn't really do that much what we were watching uh, the the week before, did we? So I've got, mm-hmm. you know, I've got quite a lot. I'm just logging into my letterbox now, but. Um, so uh, yeah, I won't go. I won't go through these in massive uh, in massive detail. I suppose maybe a couple, but um, so I rewatched Captain America: Civil War before Doctor Strange. I very much like that film. Uh, Friend Request, uh, which um, it, it is, it's essentially unfriended, but like not as innovatively shown. Yeah, because that that I I, I really liked uh, unfriended. I thought it was it was. It was it was interesting. It was it was an interesting way to do a film. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I mean, uh, basically, story is uh, there's a loner girl at this school. Um, uh, kind of a more popular girl receives a friend request from the loner girl, 
and she accepts it. The loner girl kind of becomes obsessed with her, and then um, the loner girl eventually kills herself, and then um, people around the popular girl start dying, and um, she can't, like, these videos keep on being posted on her behalf on her Facebook timeline, and she can't delete them, and, you know, people around her start, like, basically, like, stop being friends with her and she becomes more and more isolated. Um, the, the last act is nicely grim, uh, quite, quite impressively. So, um, it, 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 there's, there's a, there's a meanness there that I I was surprised by, but it's, 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 it's fairly, (coughs) it's fairly generic stuff really. But I mean, it's like 90 minutes long and it's, it's fine when it's on. Um, so I watched dirty grandpa, but we're not going to have a debate about it because I thought it was eh, yeah. yeah, not 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 good, but not as terrible as you expected. No, no, like De Niro made me laugh a few times. I thought Efron was really miscast. Like it just him playing a guy who's kind of like slightly dowdy and yeah, like straight laced and whatnot. It just nah, that's that's not Zac Efron. No, he he fits party guy better than he fits. Um... Yeah, stay at home and do my homework, guy. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah, uh, but I mean, it, it it had a couple laughs in it. I did, I did quite enjoy Aubrey Plaza and Robert De Niro. Just their interactions, just being filth, basically. I thought was one up each other. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was, yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, so I rewatched The Witch, which I still really like. We don't need to get into it. Um, <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I watched the B- uh, the BFG. All right, yeah. What's what? what no, man. <laughs> uh, there's barely a story there. Um, but I mean, like, really, fuck all actually happens. Uh, yeah, it takes an hour and fifty minutes. But um, I, I don't know. I thought it was quite charming, really. Like the relationship between the girl who plays Sophie and, and Mark Rylance is is well done. Um, the, the kind of the cartoony CG actually works rather well. Um, and yeah, it's just it, it's all quite charming, really. Um, yeah, I, would I watch it again? Probably not. But you know, while it was on, I had quite a good time with it. Lottie was quite into it as well at points. She got a bit scared, but um, yeah, I, it, you know, it was all right. It's it's by no means a classic. It's kind of easy to see why it just kind of disappeared. Um, but yeah, it's a fun time. It's a fun enough time. Good. Uh, we watched Kill List, which I I, I, I still very much enjoy. I, I don't know. I think it takes a bit to get going, does Kill List. Um, Wheatley's way of showing the ordinary and trying to make it unsettling uh, is there in abundance with, with Kill List. And yet, when he gets more genre towards the end, I think it's actually a lot more successful. Um but yeah, kill list. It's uh, yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that on that. Yeah, I think it's spot on on that. Actually. Yeah, it, 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 it just yeah, the last twenty minutes or so are, are actually pretty great, and you know the ending is very effective. Uh, it just yeah, the, the the dinner scene and the the main guy and his wife just constantly kind of like sniping at each other. It is a little bit like get the point, let's get on with it. Uh, but yeah. Um, Okay, I said I watched a single man. Um, 
Yeah, so, uh, okay, I watched A Bigger Splash, uh, which is on Amazon Prime now, and it's directed by the guy uh, who's doing the Suspiria remake. Yes. Um, uh, whose name, for the life of me, I can't find it here. Um, uh, fucking hell. Luca Guad- Guadagnino. Guadagnino. Yeah, sure, why not? Um, and it, it stars uh, well, Dakota Johnson and Tilda Swinton are both going to be in the Suspiria remake, as is Jessica Harper, uh, which is interesting. Mm. Um, and uh, they, they are in this, uh, joined by uh, Ray Fiennes and Matea Schoenarts. So it's basically uh, Tilda Swinton is a uh, like a rock star who has lost her voice, and she's on holiday with her photographer, recovering alcoholic boyfriend, uh, played by Matea Schoenarts. Um, they are surpri- they are surprised when they're joined by Ray Fiennes' record producer uh, character and uh, his daughter, played by Dakota Johnson. And it's a mix of um, hanging out film and serious look at how um, langu- like uh, people uh, language barriers. And people just not saying what they feel can lead to bad consequences. Um, and it's weird. It's really enjoyable. And then something happens with maybe about 20, 25 minutes to go that changes things. Um, and then it, but like the, the kind of the more what it's trying to say, things kind of come to the it comes to the fore a lot more. Um, but Ray Fiennes does some rather amazing dancing in it. Uh, Tilda Swinton barely says anything. Uh, Matthias Schoenarts is like he's he's his usual very manly self, but he's also quite a sensitive soul in this. And Dakota Johnson just seems to want to shag things. So there you go. It's um it's good. It, I, I really enjoyed it. Actually. I mean, it's saying it's good is kind of damning with faint praise. Actually, I really enjoyed it. Um, is it on Amazon Prime? Yeah, it's on Amazon yeah, Prime. Cool. I, I might watch it this week. Watch that. Yeah, nice. Okay, well, we'll talk about it next week then. Um, so uh, I also watched The Ghoul, which uh, played LFF. Um, the LFF online screeners uh, are actually still available um, for some reason. So uh, I've been meaning to get around to watching this. It was the, it was the one I mentioned a few weeks back where. Like, I was talking about an embargo. Um, oh, yes. And then I didn't actually get around to watching it at the time. Uh, so I can talk about it now anyway. So, great. So, The Ghoul. It's executive produced by Ben Wheatley. Um, and uh, so the story is basically... Oh, God, what to say? Because it, it gets pretty twisty quite quickly. Um, the outset of it is a police detective played by Tom Meehan um, is uh, called round to a house along with a colleague of his where uh, a shooting has happened where the shooter um, like some eyewitnesses or something actually that's the point, that's not really explained but anyway (laughs) um, it's reported that a shooter shot two residents in this house but they just got up again uh, like they took a load of bullets and then he disappeared and then they got up again and disappeared themselves 
and it goes from there. Um, mm. Now, very, very twisty-turny, gets quite trippy. Um, weirdly like Kill List in it gets more genre as it goes along, and it turns... It has a habit of doing that, actually. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's executive produced by him. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you're saying, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's very much that his kind of sensibility. But Tommy Ian is, is, is very good, actually, um, in, in the lead role. Um, he's got to do... Oh, fuck, it's hard to say. He's got to do quite a lot of different things here, and he does them well. Um, oh, here we go. Yeah, I mean, I'll just... The, the line on Letterboxd for it. A homicide detective goes undercover as a patient to investigate a, a psychotherapist he believes is linked to a strange double murder. As his therapy sessions continue, the line between fantasy and reality begins to blur. Yeah, actually, that's that's a good log line. Um, but yeah, it gets more and more genre as it goes. Um, very good, woozy, effective style to the camera work and the editing. Uh, the music, the main theme, has a bit of the Terminators about it, which, oh, right. uh, it, like, it, 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 which you can't say about everything, uh, frankly. No. Um, I wonder if I could... Uh, uh, okay, I don't um, So... Yeah, it, but it, it, yeah, it's got a bit of the Terminators to it. It's kind kind of um, weird in that aspect. Um, but it's, um, I think you'd enjoy it. Ah, cool. I'll, I'll track it down. Yeah, um, it, I, I, I think it's. God, is it? Has it actually got a release? Um. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's uh, got a release date announced yet. Um, so, yeah, okay, never mind. But I imagine it will be around next year. Uh, it'll probably pop up on Netflix at some point. It, it doesn't feel like something that's going to get a massive release, but it kind of feels like one of those ones that you know your, your genre press is going to be quite into. Yeah. Um, weird psycho police procedural thriller with emotional elements it's yeah it's, it's an interesting one um okay i just directed myself away from that boxed uh so uh margo at the wedding uh which was on movie uh which i i quite enjoyed um, is that the um no, Jack black one yeah 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 one of those that i didn't outright despise is what i'll say <laughs> it's close I can get to liking it as well yeah no fair enough yeah I mean I, I, I I'm not 100% with uh, Noah Baumbach either to be honest but um, his his, yeah, his Japan know, documentary was, was fantastic uh, yeah there you go yeah 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 absolutely um, I, 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 I think it's Whitten the Whales or uh, I, I despised Greenberg at the time I am somewhat intrigued to Go back and see that, but I, 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 again, but I did like Francis Hart. I didn't. I never seen Francis Hart actually. I didn't um, despise Greenberg, but I absolutely despise Squid and the Whale. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, okay. Well. Um, yeah. So, Margot at the Wedding. I, I don't know. It's kind of old, but I've never actually 
now anyway but i've never actually got around to seeing it um uh yeah i i, I liked it. it it feels like it feels like they did a lot of rehearsal beforehand and kind of like they get to know their characters and um yeah it, it doesn't get as loudly shouty everyone hating each other as i thought it was going to um so uh yeah and I, I thought jack black was actually very good in it jack black is 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 very good in it actually he's yeah. got some he's got some great I, I don't know whether it's whether they're very well written lines and just very well delivered lines or whether or not he's added them uh, and made them better lines but he's got some quite amusing lines in there yeah yeah no absolutely um so yeah there you go uh, that's margot at the wedding and finally Nerve, um, starring our favourite little psychopath Emma Roberts and uh, James's brother Dave Franco. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Nerve, directed by the guys who did um, Catfish and uh, Paranormal Activity Three. Um, I, so, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know it was directed by those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 all right. Um, it the, the the visuals are really fun um the kind of the visualization of like online culture is 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 well done um the macbooks in it appear to be touchscreen um which really uh, put me off uh that genuinely took me out of it actually um but yeah um it's basically for those who don't know uh nerve is a game that people can play they can either play or watch um and basically watches make dares for those playing and if the people playing them do the dares they win cash Emma Roberts plays a girl who uh, is basically told by one of her friends who is playing Nerve that she's you know she's just not really that dynamic and outgoing and she's a bit of a misery guts and whatnot so she decides to play Nerve she soon teams up with another player played by uh, James's brother Dave um, and um uh, it, it goes on from there. There are twisty turnies. Um, and, yeah, it's... I probably won't remember it in a week. Um, <laughs> you know, but it, it, I, I quite enjoyed it when it was on. Um, the ending kind of seems to hint that there could be a sequel. I, don't, I hope they don't. I don't know whether this would sustain another hour and a half, but... Um, for, for what it was, I thought it was it was perfectly acceptable. So, yeah, there you go. Cool. Uh, I, I, it's one of those where I, I will get to it because it's it's throwaway enough. I think just to sling on it. It looks throwaway enough just to sling on. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It, it feels like towards the end, there's a speech that it kind of feels like maybe they they were trying to reach for more that than the film actually achieves yeah um but yeah no it's it's uh like i say it's fun when it's on yeah and sometimes that's that's all you need yeah exactly and uh, i'm actually done there you go all right cool all right I'll, I'll i'll get into into mine then um so halloween uh i watched trick or treat nice um, which i i usually watch pretty much every every halloween um and it's kind of become a tradition thing, and this year I was not feeling it, but Becky really wanted to watch it, and I had told her we could watch it on Halloween, so we didn't end up watching it on Halloween. And then I got about 10 minutes in and was like, 
she's really a lot of fun. <laughs> so I wasn't that bothered. It is still a lot of fun. Uh, and it's it's only 80 minutes. Um, it kicks off at... It's, as well, it has kind of become a, a, a cult classic, I think. Uh, or not a classic, but very much a, a very much well-loved kind of cult film, which is quite cool um, that it's achieved that kind of status. Um, they're still talking about doing a, a Trick or Treat 2, despite the fact that I think there is actually a straight-to-video Trick or Treat 2. Oh, really? Um, but they are planning on doing a, a proper one. And I'm also quite looking forward to uh, rewatching Krampus because you, I think you yeah. really enjoyed it, didn't you? And I, was, and I was watching mixed. that next month, man. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I remember saying to you that I was mixed on it, but yeah. I was looking forward to Christmas to watch it again, which was really didn't make sense. So I'm, I'm now actually going, yeah, December. I'm looking forward to December when I can, I can watch that again. So I think I did actually like it a lot more than I, I, I remember it. But yeah, Trick or Treat yeah, is, is, is fantastic and all fantastically well to be honest even like nine years later um what else have i watched watch the uh herzog uh into the inferno the uh netflix Ooh, documentary okay. um, yeah. it's a it's a herzog documentary which really does sound like i'm being very basic but it very much is a herzog documentary in the fact that you've yes he's showing you some stuff that is is, is factual but you've always got to sort of read between the lines sometimes with Herzog. So when he's talking to, like, indigenous people of this this tribe that inhabit um, just below where this, this uh, active crater is of this volcano, and he's talking to them, and they're talking about sort of the mystical elements of it, you're kind of half thinking, I wonder how much of that is them actually saying this, or it's Herzog saying, I will give you a candy bar and this... <laughs> And this bottle of Pims, if you read this for me. Nice. And it is a little bit like that, where you, you never quite know with Herzog uh, what's going on. But it looks fantastic, and Herzog is a incredibly charismatic um, presence uh, in these things. And, you know, when you've got that, his voice over saying it, and he's talking about what's going on, it feels, you know, really good. It, 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 there's a, there's a a world lived in there, and it's it's really quite cool with that. Um, and his um, co-director Clive Oppenheimer, who was in the um, stories at the end of the world. Um, oh, encounters at the end of the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Encounters at the end of the world. Yeah, and he's in that. He's he's actually he's the, he's the co-director of this, um, and he he doesn't kind of rate it, but he's along asking a lot of the questions. And he's again, it, it works well because he's he's kind of like he's the knowledge behind it all, but he's really. Um, you know, like I think a lot of the thing, the the appeal to me, like Brian Cox, is he's smart, charismatic, and he is clearly very passionate about what he does, which makes him approachable, and it doesn't feel stuffy. He just he wants to share his knowledge with people, and he's able to break it down uh, quite difficult things into really uh, easy to kind of digest and easy to take on board um, information. Clive Oppenheim is like that when he's talking about uh, being uh, a volcanologist, when he's explaining sort of like all the details of anything like that, there's such a wonderful um, exuberance from him and a, a, a clear passion that he he's, he's doing and gets paid to do what he loves. And, but he happens to be an incredibly smart guy at the same time. Yeah. And so you, you get that coming across, which is a really, I, I think anytime you've got that, mixed in with something the way that Herzog shoots these documentaries um, it, it's 
it's it's already instantly fascinating um, to listen to somebody who is that passionate about something that they do. Um, and so that helps the film a lot as well. And, you know, it's available on Netflix for nothing. Um, and I, I wouldn't have... Um, I would happily go and see it at the cinema, quite happily, and wouldn't have come out of it going, uh, not really sure that required a cinema. Uh, but it, it's cool the fact that Netflix have gone, let's have that, throw it on there, there you go, here's a, here's a documentary. And it wouldn't surprise me if, if the Netflix goes, oh, what, we're just going to keep doing that, because he's going to keep making them. Yeah, you know, he, he he literally he he spent forty years bouncing from one to another. When he's not making a feature film, he's making a documentary, um, and that's what he he jumps around doing. So that would surprise me is if every every year we get a new Herzog documentary uh, on Netflix. That'd be fine. And I, do you know what? Yeah, fuck it, I'm fine with that. Um, I mean, let's have a look. Let's see if he's got anything in the the pipeline. Cause he's like, see, he's. He's so incredibly prolific, um, Herzog, that it's it's frightening. Um, I just got the Lower and Behold um, that uh, which I think came out in in cinemas, uh, which is yeah that 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 came out what a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lo and Behold uh, that I think will be on Netflix probably by the start of next year. I would I would imagine. Um, mm. But yeah, yeah, that and the uh, Into the Inferno come out like weeks apart it, it, it's it's just the, the man's prolific to say yeah, the least yeah so fucking right it is um, I also watched another documentary that's on um, Netflix um, called Planet FIFA um, okay which is a French documentary uh, by Jean-Louis Perez who I'm not sure what else he's done but it's a French documentary and essentially it it, it follows um, or it tells the story of, of corruption within FIFA and how corruption has become institutional uh, within FIFA. Uh, so it takes you right back to how FIFA uh, came about um, and how it was started up um, and follows about how it was quite a noble thing how they started up and um, took it from there. And it, it, it's, it kind of it's, it, it points the, the, kind of the, the finger of blame at, at a lot of different people. Um, so it doesn't just cover the uh, the financial corruption uh, of FIFA it also covers things like um, the fact that an Englishman became um, head of FIFA and then England got the World Cup and England won the World Cup <laughs> with an Englishman as the head of FIFA um, so there's, there's that and the fact that he, he um, that African teams were kind of FIFA was positioning itself as being for Africa and that's how um, Jean Havelange uh, who who became president of FIFA in 74 I believe um, he the, the way that he did that um, or that David Strauss I think it was uh, was the English guy who was head of FIFA at the time was he got the um, the African votes uh, for anybody who doesn't follow football and doesn't understand FIFA essentially is the governing body of football um, and to how it works is every football association gets one vote to vote in the uh, the presidency of, of FIFA, and that's the person who runs football for the next four years. Um, and yeah, and João Havelange, João Havelange uh, who was a Brazilian, um, he essentially ran it for I think ooh for about twenty four years, I believe, uh, up from two thousand from seventy four to to ninety eight. Um, 
and then Seth Blatter came over, but Seth Blatter was his protege, and it it does sort of look into the the history of corruption, how corruption came about. If you're not into football at all, it will bore the living shit out of you <laughs> because you'll just go, "This is just fucking this. This literally is just a bunch of people." working out ways to legalise their own corrupt ends mm. um, which essentially which you could literally just call politics nowadays um, <laughs> but yeah that's literally what it is it, it's almost weird in the fact that you get the feeling that a lot of political um, sort of structures have gone God, they're good at being corrupt aren't they they're really good <laughs> why, why, we could we, learn from that. why do we do that and it literally yeah. is like that because what what FIFA did, which is magnificent, it's wonderful. What FIFA did was they were making loads of money out of um, advertising and marketing for the World Cup because that's what they do, the World Cup essentially. Yeah. And they were making a lot of money out of that from Adidas, was was the chief one. And then they got Coca Cola involved, um, and they're the chief sponsors. And then all of a sudden, Seth Black came on board. Uh, I was working with Jean Havelange and basically said we need to monetize this by basically charging more and that was what they did and literally one world cuts the next they just made it 10 times more expensive to buy the rights because they basically said they're going to have to buy them yeah. then for the next world cup they went hang on a minute why don't we we set up a company right and we'll set that up but we can't set it up because we're a non-profit organisation. Hey, Adidas, do you want to set up a company that we will then give the rights to and they will do all the deals to sell the rights to various countries? Well, why would I do that? Well, you'll get the commission. You'll get 10% commission for it and we'll liaise with you and you'll obviously have to pay us to liaise with you so we'll just make money. And it was, it, it literally is, they created a company to launder money and just took it to Switzerland. Fuck's sake, yeah. Dodge on the, what is it? And it, 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 it the barefacedness of it is, is magnificent. I mean, when you look at, like, um, the Cameroonian officials, they, they worked out a way to, that they kept on asking people for money and saying, we need money to build, like, a centre of excellence. All right, you can have it. And so they started building it. They just stopped building it. Literally, they put the foundations in and that was it. They just stopped building it. And then when they were asked, why haven't you continued building this? They said, we've spent all the money. I said, well, what have you spent all the money on? Ourselves. They're not even hiding it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, the, the head of the project sold his house and moved him and his family into a five-star hotel and was renting two floors in a five-star hotel using the money. I wasn't even hiding it. Yeah. <laughs> it's staggering. So, yeah, that was interesting. Unless you don't like football. Not only if you don't like football. If you don't like football, you might like it because you might get away with your finger a little bit more at football. But if you've just no interest, it will bore the shit out of you. Yeah, but okay. I watched it. Um, for example, I watched it because I usually I pick Becky up from work, and I usually get there about twenty minutes before she finishes at least. So I watched it over three days, waiting for her to get out of work. Okay, fair enough. So it's one of those. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We watched the Warriors because I just had an urge to rewatch the Warriors. Um, nice. 
and it, it, it's still fantastic. I still think it's a, a it's still one of my favourite films of all time, um, and has been for two decades now. Um, and then the last two I watched uh, are both Fincher films. I'll I'll get to the one uh, in a second that the uh, one that I think you're going to watch next week. I would assume because um, I know you've bought it on iTunes. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to watch it at some point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I watched Panic Room uh, because I was going to watch Seven, but. The reason why I didn't is because Seven's over two hours long and it was already quite late. <laughs> so so mm. I watched Panic Room instead, which actually is only about ten minutes shorter than Seven, so it makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Uh, yeah, it literally is like ten minutes shorter than Seven. <laughs> <laughs> but in my brain at the time, it made perfect sense. So yeah, Panic Room, um, which is the... I think I put in my letterbox review that it is the the... the it, it is the lessest Fincher movie of them all, probably, I would say. Yeah, and I still think that. But it's still good. It's still really good, actually. Um, I love the fact that he went from um, the, the the weird kind of thing that was Fight Club, where Fight Club bombed, but was a massive critical and cultural success. Um, but it, it just didn't make much money. So... Although, you know, now it is clearly made, I would think, a lot more money than it costs now because of the various different um, home uh, medias it's been available on, and there's been a lot over the years. Um, in terms of actual kind of box office, I think Fight Club was considered a, a bit of a bomb, really. I think it, it didn't quite make double its budget or anything. I think it made just over $100 million or something, off about a $60 million budget. But he went to Panic Room where it, it felt it was smaller, um, you know, all set really within one location of that house, pretty much. Um, and, you know, with three characters, Jared Leto before he became, you know, Academy Award winning Jared Leto, when he was still, you know, that guy from TV, that pretty boy from TV, and Forrest yeah. Whitaker, uh, before Forrest Whitaker kind of had that last King of Scotland rejuvenation where he was again just more like a genre actor, Jodie Foster trying to make her way back into it. Um, but it's it's a fun watch, but crafted with that severe amount of dedication that that Fincher has um, lifts it up. Dwight Yoakam's great in it as the the psychopath uh, within it, um, and Jodie Foster's really strange in it, <laughs> in the fact that she can go from being really really good to being really really iffy in it and she breathes funny in films I've noticed <laughs> okay I, I think I wrote in my letterbox review for this um, that it's too long and Jodie Foster breathes funny doesn't she that's how she says a line delivery is like she's just run two miles to tell her kid his puppy has died <laughs> <laughs> and it that's is insane. she just does feel like that um, but I, yeah, I I really enjoyed kind of rewatching it. To be honest, it's it's fun and it's breezy and it's yeah, it, it's not as overbearing sometimes, which is a good point uh, of some of the finisher movies that, that you get. Uh, which moves me on to the other movie, which I watched Seven last night, which is three ninety nine with all those extras on oh, iTunes, um, and it's it's a strange one, Seven, because. It's. I was saying to, to Bex afterwards, you know, like, 
I think what was it Fincher's second film after Alien Three? Yeah, Alien Three. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. nowadays, if you had a um, a David Fincher movie starring Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, um, and you know you wouldn't be at a hide now that Kevin Spacey was in it, and also Kevin Spacey was in it, and then you had you know a lot of character actors thrown in there, you know, people like John C. McGinley, Richard Roundtree was in there. Um, Ali Ermey. Ali Ermey, yeah, who has one of the greatest, one, genuinely one of my favourite lines in cinema ever is in this movie. And it's when they're sat around, you know, the, the scene where Morgan Freeman's uh, explaining that there's seven deadly sins. Mm. Well, as he starts explaining the seven deadly sins, the phone rings and he's sat, Ali Ermey just sat on a desk and he answers the phone and the line he says is, this isn't even my desk. And then just puts the phone back down. Solid. And it fucking kills me every single time. I have to pause it just, just to get the laughter out of me. But yeah, if, if this movie was on now, it, it would be amazing. And we, we, we kind of view that as that, as from there. But it won't, it was a little bit of a risk at the time. You know, it was written by... A guy who hadn't really written a hit um, and hasn't written a hit since, actually, which, um, you know, it shows something of the fact that this is very much Fincher's movie. Brad Pitt was kind of a risk in this kind of role. Um, and Morgan Freeman wasn't quite yet the Morgan Freeman that we know. Um, so it's, it, it, it's weird, the fact that it was as good as it is um, and it's it really is magnificent this movie <laughs> it's beautiful to look at in a hideous way um, and whenever people sort of say oh it's good but it, it, it's it's too dark don't you think I, I, I genuinely feel like hitting them in the face of saying you know, oh I can't see anything because it's too dark I feel like hitting them in the face and then just saying you, you see everything everything you can see is what Fincher wants you to see if you can't see it he doesn't want you to see it idiot and then hitting them again just to fucking just to emphasize the annoyance emphasize the annoyance and not like a proper punch you know those, what, what there's where you kind of stop as you connect so it, it, it just 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 does that one of those hits yeah it's it, it's fantastic he's said I don't need to go into it it's magnificent but it's just it's so weird that 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 movie kind of doesn't. I, I don't think it gets the credit it deserves, to be honest. And it wasn't nominated for best picture, but do you know what was that year? Go on. I'll give the list. I'll give the list of best pictures, and I'll give the list of, of best directors, right? That beat out seven, right? Braveheart won the Academy Award for Best Picture that year. So Braveheart, Apollo 13, Babe, Il Postino, and Sense and Sensibility. Yeah, that's crazy. That is madness. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and Best Director, Gibson, and he won it. Uh, Chris Noonan for Babe, Tim Robbins for Dead Man Walking, Michael Figus for Leaving Las Vegas, and uh, Michael Radford for Il Postino. So what's what's weird there is you've got two movies, um, two directors there that weren't even nominated for Best Picture. It's quite strange. Fair dues, yeah, not yeah. quite. And when you look at it, um, I'm pretty sure. Well, yeah, weirdly, 
uh, and also Nixon was out that year. Nixon got nominated for like all the writing awards and acting awards, but didn't get nominated for best picture or best director. Mm. It's a strange year actually, '86 for the Oscars. But yeah, seven, absolutely fucking fantastic. Of course, of course it is. Of course. Um, but it's it's set me back on a bit of a Fincher watch. So I think I'll be watching a bit more Fincher this week. Sweet. Which is never a bad thing. Nah, um, right. Especially when you see that I've got Fight Club and uh, Social Network. I want to rewatch that at some point. It's been a couple of years since I watched that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking for that. I, I may even give Curious Case of Benjamin Button a rewatch. Oh. I've only seen it once. I've and seen it, it a couple times, yeah. And it's in the uh, cinema. Um, and I didn't like it. But I figure that I owe it to Fincher to give it another go. And if I don't like it again, I can go, do you know what? I gave it two goes, years apart, and there we go. But the thing is, I've liked everything else he's done. A lot. Mm, so mm-hmm. maybe I just went into it the wrong frame of mind. Maybe I went into it already kind of disliking, because I think I did a little bit. I think I did already dislike it a little bit when I went in, which was probably the wrong thing going. So been a few years apart from it, maybe I can go in there with a better frame of mind and, and get something out of it. Or maybe I'll just fucking hate it again. <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued to see what you think. Yeah. Cool, oh, right. Oh, yeah, well, I've actually got some, some time off uh, this week uh, before I start my new job, so I'll, 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 I might get some good film watching in. Uh, in from there so yeah um, I was going to ask as well slight tangent is, yeah. is Becky interested in getting one of those PS4 Pros uh, no she's not because it, the thing is she plays her PS3 more than she plays her PS4 Okay. because there's just not been enough games out for her yet to be honest I think um, but I'm interested because I like new toys yeah I don't know it's uh the, the, apparently the 4K-ness of it is actually quite effective, even if it most of it's not proper native 4K. The, the review on, on Bongo drops tomorrow, so I suppose we'll find out then about it. But it's the word cool. is... Don't it come out like... Thursday. Thursday. It's kind of like, it seems to have not... There's been... There's a big announcement and there's there's little bits everywhere, but I suppose it's because the, the reviews are all in bag and I suppose and that'll be why. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't, 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 it be wouldn't, it, wouldn't it just shit everyone up if, they, if the reviews come out and they went, ah, oh, we're shit and weird, there is a 4K player in it. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I, I don't know. It, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. We'll see. Yes. Yeah. We'll see. Um, right. Uh, we, have, we have no emails, bastards. Bastards. We have questions, though. Um... Steve uh, Dixon at the Great SD. Uh, there's some great new directors that have made one or two films. Uh, which are which ones are you most excited about for the future? Tom Ford, Damien Chazelle, uh, um, Derek Sanfrance. How many has he done? Yeah, three uh, now. Yeah, Blue Valentine, Place Beyond the Pines, Light Between the Ocean, which is the only one I'm mildly worried about, but yeah. maybe just because it looks a little bit. I don't know. It's not supposed to be great. Yeah. Um, oh, good one. Um, da, 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 da. I mean, Dan yeah. after Ten Cloverfield Lane. I'm intrigued to see what he. Does. And um, fucking Playtest. Uh, I'm intrigued to see what he does next. Um, um, Mike Flanagan's been doing some interesting work. Yeah, man, Ouija 2 is supposed to be all right. So, yeah, uh, I've, I've heard that. It, 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 it is 
we did two in name only, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, can we have Denis Villeneuve? I think he's done a few, haven't he? I think he's, he's done, done a lot. few now, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of sort of... And there's a good crop, I think, coming out at the moment. I mean, there'll, there'll be a couple of like, really fucking obvious ones we've missed off. Uh, but yeah, I, there's always a nice little... A little sort of wave of, of new directors coming out, and they tend to they tend to creep up on you. I think sometimes um, because if they come out with a a, a bang, then sometimes, it, for instance, you take um, Richard Kelly, for instance. There's a prime example. You know, Johnny Darko found its it, 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 its audience on DVD, and then he did Southland Tales, which. I enjoyed, but I can see why it, most people just went, that's just nonsense. And then, what was the next one? Panic Bottom, was it? What was it? Uh, the Box. The Box, that was it. Um, which was, I remember you, you really quite enjoyed it, didn't you? The Box, yeah, man, mental. Uh, yeah. yeah, but enjoyed it, for sure. And I, 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 I thought it was bobbins, but enjoyable. Um and I don't think he's done anything since. He seems to have just done different special editions of Don't Darko since. So, yeah, it's sometimes going to be better where they'll come out with a film and you'll go, oh, who's this new director? And then you look back at it and go, oh, he's done three movies before this that I've also quite enjoyed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it, it's kind of cool like that. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's, there's always sort of good new filmmakers coming out, which is... Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice that you've got that. Um and uh, Chris Byrne uh, at Cinematronics, um, who we had a couple of drinks with uh, last week. Uh, Indeed, and it was always most enjoyable as ever. Uh, mm. uh, what's the best movie fist fight? Well, stay living it. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's a very good one. Uh, can I throw in um, Fight Club of Ed Norton beating himself up? Sure. That's a good one. Uh, which you could also throw in Jim Carrey beating himself up in uh, Liar Liar. Well, actually, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, there's got to be... I mean, obviously, there's, there's things like Rocky and things like that, but I don't know they count, do they? I won't say they count. Uh, no, I mean, it's a, well, it's a boxing match, isn't it? It's yeah. Not... Um, unless you can't just fight with Tommy the Machine Gun at the end of Rocky Five. Mm. Um, yeah, um, yeah, they live is a good show. Uh, yes, um, that is that's that's it for questions. Um, Ian, what are we covering next week? What the fuck are we covering? We're doing Arrival. Arrival, of course. Ah, oh, you're actually seeing it tomorrow, I believe. Tomorrow, yes. Is that like a? Um, ah, it's a Cineworld thing. Cineworld preview thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty pumped, pretty pumped. I, I, I don't blame you. Yeah, I would be. Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty pumped. It's it's got very very good write ups, hasn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Amy Adams, the double bill of awesomeness is uh, fully fully expected. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's it's cool the fact that that both Nocturnal Animals and this are very and are, are very much Amy Adams movies. Despite the fact that they've also got quite billable and bankable um, male stars as well, they're very much being pitched as Amy Adams movies. Uh, yeah. which, which is kind of cool with the fact that she's reached that level and, and she is deserving that level because her output is, is phenomenal. Yeah, for sure, man. 
Um, and yes, she's she's. Well, I don't think I've ever seen seen her anything and gone, ooh, she's a bit iffy in that. Apart from Leap Year. Well. Which is weird that she was ever in that. But then again, I don't think she was bad in it. Well, in Leap Year. Leap Year, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think I think I test screened that, but to the life of me, I couldn't tell you for sure. Yeah, uh, I thought that's kind of become more synonymous with the fact that uh, that it, it kind of almost ruined Matthew Good's career. But not because he was bad it or anything like that, just because he was an utter prick with it, apparently. Yeah. You know, turn up to fucking turn up to do present interviews and saying that he didn't want to talk about it because it was shit. That's <laughs> which, funny. Which is commendable, but the fact is, apparently, he was an ass on set as well. Well, would I? Wouldn't you be? <laughs> Suppose you know it's. Uh, I don't know. It's leap year. Yeah, it is. It is, um, and but the thing is, I, I remember him saying, um, seeing him a couple of years back, and he's he, he saying the fact that he, he kind of regrets how he acted on it, um, because he feels like he, he kind of he let a few other people down because he said, you know, he said there was somebody else in it who clearly thought that it was crap as well, but she acted very professional and got on with it, and I didn't, and maybe I should have, and you know, I'm never, probably never get a chance to work with that person again. And Amy Adams sorry, said that she really enjoyed working with him and that it was quite amusing. Oh, uh, there you go. So well, I, I think, done. yeah, it was one of those maybe. Uh, but yeah, um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to arrival. It looks, it looks very, very good. Uh, and I, 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 it's going to be nice to see a serious sci-fi movie. Uh, yeah. That they're getting back in on Vogue. Um, yeah, so I think that's pretty much it. Oh, one other thing, slight kind of, Thing that I should probably didn't uh, news uh, at the start. Oh, hit me. There's, there's a lot of things been a lot of big deal been made about the fact that Tarantino saying um, he's going to do two more films and then retire. He's been saying that for a long time. Yeah, he's been saying that for ages. Yeah, yeah. but it's been reported like it's new news. But it's not. He's been saying like, it for a good. I suppose it's the, it's the fact that he's years. reconfirmed it. Like he's like properly sticking to his guns on it. That appears to be the thing that's caught people. Yeah, but it, yeah, the thing is, we've got another couple of years until we get a new one, haven't we? You can go do one next year. I don't think. I think it'll be the year after. Mm. So that'll take it to two thousand and late eighteen, probably more like nineteen, right? Early 2019. Sure. And then you're looking at, what, three, four years from there? So you're probably looking at 2022. By the time we get to the the 10th Tarantino movie in his final one. Yeah. It'll be like 60, I think, by then. And it'll be... It'll be 10 years, 10 films in... What? 40 years, nearly? 30 years? Sure. Yeah, okay, again, about 30 years, yeah. He's not the most prolific of guys out there, in terms of it. And it, it, it's because, I think the way that he works is, he, he's constantly gone on for all these years about how many ideas he's got and how many kind of scripts he started and everything like that. But you get the feeling like that, that there could be a notepad of just ideas for one film. But he's, he's read, back, read it back in like his mid-40s, when he wrote it in his mid-20s and gone, 
oh, this is garbage. <laughs> this, this, this is all garbage. <laughs> he's gone, I'm going to pick up another one. And it's just like the fucking notebooks in seven. And he's like, I think I already made this, actually. Yeah, that's that's the hateful eight. Fucking hell. Yep. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's just Raging Bull. I've just written about Raging Bull. <laughs> and, and he's... And I guess it's a little bit like that <laughs> with Tarantino. And that he's saying, I'm going to do two more. But I guarantee if you said to him, what are you going to do? Now we go, right, well, I'm going to do a gangster movie that's going to be like, say, in the 50s, and then I'm going to do a sci-fi movie. And then if you spoke to him six months later, he'd go, yeah, I'm going to do... <laughs> I'm going to do a war movie, and I'm going to do a movie about a guy who runs an ice cream parlour. <laughs> and it'll be like that, but he's very much set in the idea that he only wants to do ten movies. Yeah. I think that's kind of commendable. And I, one part of me hopes that once he hits ten, that that's it. That he does ten, and that he leaves it, and he retires, retires, rather than Steven Soderbergh retiring, where he, every film, he, he makes two movies and then goes, say, I'm done, retire, I'm sick of this bullshit. And you're thinking, alright, three, four years time, I've another movie out, though, aren't you? And then he yeah. comes out with another movie, because he's got out next year, hasn't he, Soderbergh? Uh, yeah, fuck, oh god, I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, which I'm glad that Soderbergh's coming out, because he makes great movies, but it's just, stop retiring, because you, you're not retiring. You're going to come back out. You're retiring like Kevin Smith retired. So, yeah, it's. It, it, I just thought it was quite amusing the fact that he's been saying it for a, a number of years, yet everybody seems to be talking about it like it's fucking new news. Yeah, no, it's. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's just because of the fact that he is properly sticking to his guns on it. Uh, yeah, I think it's taken people by surprise. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think if people look back and sort of go. Oh, but hang on a minute. He hadn't made that much. <laughs> and he's not seen to retire from what is it? He, he, he may well, you know, he wants to do theatre and things like that. And he wants to write an opera and, and bits like that. And I think it's... He it, it seems to like the idea of, of of getting to 10 and boxing off his film career and then going and trying his hand at something else. Yeah. Which could be quite cool. Yeah, no, I agreed. Agreed. If you, you know, let's be honest... If, if Tarantino writes an opera or a play, it will be screened in cinemas. It will be. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. You know, we, absolutely, it will be. So, you know, we might have that to look forward to. And I'll, I'll, I'll gladly watch a Tarantino opera, <laughs> for instance. I, I would, Coco. Yeah, cool. Uh, right, so that is episode 184 uh, for you wonderful and glorious people. Um and we will be back next week with a review of Arrival. Uh, some more trailers and some more what we've been watching and our usual stuffy stuff. Uh, Ian, anything else to add? <laughs> no, I'm good, man. <laughs> cool. Right, thank you very much for listening, guys. Um, DoodleMonkey.com. Ian put up a great post um, today. Oh, well, so. not today when you're listening to it, but this week, um, about um, physical media. Um and digital media and bits like that but it's really good reads of course I to read that um, I know I have an office that I can write things in so I'm going to start actually hopefully posting some more bits on there um, at Ian Loring at Dude Monkey at Dude Foz um, all right out bye <laughs>